Jesus, we thank you for this morning, and God, we thank you that there is none beside you, that there is no one like you, and God, that you are so wonderful, you're so beautiful. God, your name is like honey, you are so sweet to us, Lord, and as we study your word today, may our mind be put upon you, Jesus Christ, and may we come to know you in a better and in a deeper way. So I pray you bless your word, anoint it with your Holy Spirit right now, we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. 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 Today we start a new series, and uh, after finishing, I explained this last week, First Thessalonians, before we go to Second Thessalonians, I really felt led to, to talk about some of the names of the Lord. There's many in the Bible, but we're going to be covering seven of them. And there's seven names of God that we're going to be covering. I just want to give you a little rundown of what we're going to see. And the first name is Jehovah Jireh. Number two is Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Elohim, and Jehovah Jehovah Roi. And those are seven we're going to be covering in these in this series. Now, I've been really impacted by these in the past few months because I've been really praying through the names of God and it's really been impacting me. So I thought I sh- we, we study this together. Now, we're going to take a few weeks, maybe even three weeks in this. So Today, we're going to just do the first three. And so this is uh, Seven Names of God, Part 1. And we're going to do Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, and Jehovah Nisi. And those are the three names we're going to be covering. And that's our outline, basically. And be ready, because we're going to be turning in the Bible a, a lot. So this will test where books are. But you know what? If you got to look at the table of contents, that's fine. If you get your phones, you guys are just cheaters anyway, because you could just click and everything. No, anyway, but we're going to be talking about seven names of God. In part one, we're going to take three of them. Now, names have meaning, and they say something about the person. We understand that, right? Uh, When Kristen and I were naming our babies, you know, we weren't really thinking about that. We just Pick names that we liked, you know, that sounded good to us, and God used that, and that's the names of our kids. Uh, but talking about the name, their middle names, that's a different story. They actually came with meaning. You see, my parents came from Japan, and, and so Grandma gave them their middle names, Japanese middle names. And, and for our oldest, uh, it's Justin Kenji Nagura. Kenji is the middle name. And this is what my mother was telling me. Kenji means healthy child. My second uh, is Jared, Jared Seiji. And Seiji means true heart. And our third child, our youngest one, our daughter, Jenea, her middle name is Kumiko, which means beautiful forever. And I was thinking about that. It, it, it kind of seems prophetic, at least to us parents with our own kids, and how they've grown up to be. Well, that's the idea about the names of the Lord. The names found in the Bible, the names of God reflect who he is, his character, how he works with us in our lives in that way. And I really believe God wants 
us to get to know him, to go deeper into who he is and, and remember his names that we find in the Bible and have it impact us in a great way as we live life here on this earth. So, again, the title of this series and this morning is, is Seven Names of God, and this is part one, and we're going to take three of the names, and let's begin with the first name, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh. Now, here we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 22, and just two verses, verse 13 and 14, verse 13 and 14. Take a look with me there. Genesis 22, verse 13 and 14. It reads here, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham, verse 14, called the name of the place, The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And we'll stop there. So that, that's our section here as we look at Jehovah Jireh. Now, we come into the middle of the story, or more like kind of the end of the story here, and things are wrapping up. But the story goes on, if you remember, that God had approached Abraham to test him. And he asked Abraham to offer up his son, his only son, to the Lord. And Abraham obediently did that. They traveled to the land of Moriah. They went up to the Mount of Moriah there. And you got to remember how hard this is. because And this was a test for Abraham because Isaac was their only son. Remember, him and Sarah, they, they, they couldn't have children. But God promised that a nation would come out from him, that Israel would come out from him. And that not only that, that he would be a father of many nations. Matter of fact, God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, and Abraham means father of many nations. So Abraham in faith waited on the Lord. They finally got pregnant. Abraham was a hundred years old. Uh, Sarah was ninety by the time Isaac was birthed. Well, about 15 to 20 years later, some think that at this time Isaac was maybe a teenager, or some say that he was about 20 years old. Well, God now tests Abraham. God's testing him and said, hey, I want you to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice. So there they are on the mount, and right uh, uh, right there at that moment, Abraham had laid down the, the wood on the uh, the, the place where the fire is going to be asked Isaac to lay down on that and he raised his knife and right when he raised his knife the Lord called to him Abraham, Abraham, Abraham said here I am and you can read in verse 12 the Lord said do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God seeing you have not without your son your only son from me so God tested Abraham, and Abraham passed the test. And what was this test? Well, Abraham showed the Lord that the gift did not become more important than the giver of the gift. Someone put it in terms of making idols in your life. They said, always be careful to never worship the gift above the giver. So this was the test for Abraham. And right after he passed the test, and, and it, you even see uh, uh, Isaac's obedience in all of this, not just Abraham. So right after he passed the test, then we come into verse 13 where Abraham lifted his eyes and there caught in the bush was this ram, this sheep that, that God 
had provided. And that was offered up, and verse 13 says, instead of his son. So God provided this ram and sheep. So then Abraham, he named that place in verse 14, the Lord will provide, which is Jehovah-Jireh. That's what Jehovah-Jireh means. The Lord will provide. Now, let me explain something, and this will carry on in our other studies and even in our two other names. The, the word Jehovah is, is the word Lord. You look in your Bibles, it's translated Lord, all capital letters. At least in the ESV it is. So that, whenever you see all capital letters in the Old Testament, that's Jehovah. And Jehovah, really, the original Hebrew word is actually Y-H-W-H, or commonly pronounced, we, com- we pronounce it today, Yahweh, right? You've heard that, right? Yahweh. So Jehovah is the same as Yahweh, and the Hebrew is actually Y-H-W-H. Now, I think that's on your screen. Notice that Y-H-W-H, there's no vowels there. And the reason is long, long ago, the Jewish scribes felt like God is indescribable. So they took out the vowels. Even the rabbis, they, they, they refused to actually speak God's name because he is so holy. So throughout all the centuries, and the scribes started uh, copying the scriptures, they ended up this Y-H-W-H. So no one really knows the exact pronunciation of this Y-H-W-H, but years, long time ago, I think it was in the 1300s, a medieval monk translating the Bible filled in the vowels, making it Y-E-H-O-Y-A, Yehoah, or Yehoah, yeah. And so today, it's kind of, kind of transcend, you know, trans into, trans, trans into, transformed into Jehovah or Jehovah, we would say today. So that's where Jehovah comes from. It's Lord. It's the name of God, Yahweh. Now, we see here that Yahweh or Jehovah, Jireh, that the Lord will provide. And I want to show you two ways the Lord is your provider. Number one, God provided the substitute for sacrifice. Understand that. That is like the main thing we see here. God provided the substitute for sacrifice. Again, in verse 13, it says at the end, instead of his son. So the ram, that sheep, uh, God provided for Abraham to put upon the altar there and sacrifice that instead of the son. So the sheep was sacrifice instead of Isaac. And do you see the picture of Jesus all over that, all over this, right? The sheep took the place of Isaac. Well, that's what Jesus did for us, right? He took our place when we died on the cross. Now, uh, this is for another time, and, and we could spend a lot of time. There's also the picture of God the Father giving up his son, the Isaac, you know, on his back carrying the wood like Jesus on the cross. I mean, there, that's for another study. Even they went to where? Moriah, and it's believed where Abraham went to and went to sacrifice his, his son was Mount Moriah, which today is Jerusalem, and many believe where Abraham made that little altar to, to lay down his son was actually where Jesus died on the cross. So there's a lot in this passage, and we studied it back in Genesis 22. But for now, understand, instead of his son, God provided the substitute for sacrifice. Romans 5.8 says, God shows his love for us in that 
while we were still sinners, what? We know this. Christ died for who? For us. He died in place of us. So do you understand when we see this, first of all, when we think of Jehovah Jireh, it's talking about how, how Jesus was sacrificed in place of us. He was our sacrifice. That's the number one thing you have to think about. I mean, I, I was just thinking, oh, I'm so moved with this. Jehovah Jireh, oh, Jesus, you died for me in place of me. Christ died for me to show me his love when I, I was still a sinner. You know, I am so humbled with that. I mean, like, who am I that the Lord would do that? I mean, who, who am I? He's, he died for me. I mean, who, who am I? I mean, I, I, I've made my mistakes, right? And who am I, God, that you would bless me with my wife and family, you guys, our church? Who am I? But it was all through that sacrifice that Jesus Christ did for us. So you can, you can probably say it this way. Jesus, Jaira, yeah? Jesus is Jaira. But by the way, um, the Hebrew word is ra'av or, or jaira, and that's how it kind of morphed into jaira for us. But think about that. That provision is Jesus jaira, the, the one who died for you and for me. So keep that in mind as we move into communion after the study here. The Jesus jaira, Jehovah jaira. That's what Jesus did for you. So, God provided the substitute for sacrifice. The Lord is your provider. That's the first way. But in the second way, I want you to see is God provides for your every need. God provides for your every need. I mean, obviously it says the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. Look at verse 14. It says, so Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide as it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Now, now we see that the Lord is our provider, and now it's saying that the, the writer Moses saying, well, as it said today, and this is a note to how that area now uh, is a place where we see God provided. And then later on when the temple was built, three times a year the people of Israel would go to Jerusalem, go to the temple, and they would bring their first and best offering to give to the Lord. Why? Well, they would give the first fruits, right? But it was also a sign of them trusting that God will continue to provide for all their needs. So that's that idea here that to this day on the Mount of the Lord, it shall be provided so the people would go in trust and faith that God will continue to provide for them. So God, we see, provided for your every need. If God provi who provided a sacrifice... He'll also provide for your every need. Turn over in the New Testament to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and uh, take a look at this. It goes along with what we're talking about right now in the New Testament. Romans chapter 8, and verse 32. Turn to verse 32. Romans 8, 32. And uh, if you go up one verse to verse 31, we'll maybe ramp up from there, but it says, What? Then shall we say to this, these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, he's going he's gonna to help us in that way. But then look at verse 32. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You see that? God gave up his son, his only son, 
He, he gave everything in that way. So, so how will he not also graciously give us all things? He's going to provide for everything in that way. And that's that idea here. Listen, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, your provider. He is your provider. God provides for your every need. And let me tell you, he always supplies the right thing at the right time in the right way, in the right place. Think about our story from back to Genesis 22, right? Right when Abraham needed the ram, the sheep, was caught in that thicket, in the bush. God provided that. Well, that's the way God provides for you and me. He's never late. He's never too early. And even in the times of testing, maybe God's testing you today in this manner, in the provision for you. For you, Are you being tested? Are you being tested right now? Know this in faith and trust that God, He is Jehovah Jireh. He will provide. His name will never change. And that means He will never change. And He will be your Jehovah Jireh at the right time, in the right place, in the right way. God will provide for you. Think about the past. Think about how he's been there for you. Well, you know what? Today, the present, and tomorrow, he will be your provision when you need it. The missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, had a plaque in his room, and on the plaque there was these words, Ebenezer and Jehovah Jireh. Ebenezer means the Lord has helped us, has helped us, and you know what Jehovah Jireh is, the Lord will provide. Well, what it meant to him is one name, Ebenezer, looked back, and the other name looked forward. So it reminded him of how God's faithfulness, of how he has been faithful, and it reminded him of that so that he can look to the future of God's provision. Keep that in your mind. And let's wrap this together. As we partake in communion this morning, you know, it's a time to look back and thank God on how God has helped us by giving His Son to die on the cross. But we can also look forward because God sent His Son to die and be that sacrifice. He provided that sacrifice for us. We can trust God that He will provide for us today and tomorrow. So do you understand now? Jehovah Jireh. Let's go to number two. Our second name is Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. Now turn over uh, from Genesis to the next book, to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. And we're going to look at verses 24 through 26 here. Three verses, 24 through 26. Exodus chapter 15. Exodus 15. Starting in verse 24, it says, And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statue, a robe, and there he tested them. Verse 26, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of your Lord God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians for, and here it is, I am the Lord your healer. Once again, the Lord, all capitals, that's Jehovah, that's Yahweh, your healer, and healer is the word Rapha. 
So Jehovah Rapha is what we find here in Exodus 15, 26. Now, here Moses is with Israel, uh, the children of Israel. They're in, they're in the wilderness, right? And they had just had this whole giant praise meeting. I mean, this was right after the Red Sea experience, right after God freed them from the bondage of Egypt with all the plagues, all these miracles, and one after another, and the biggest one, the Red Sea, right? In the Red Sea, they got through that obstacle, and then the Red Sea closed on the Egyptian army, and right after that, they had this huge praise and thank meeting and worship meeting. Well, right after that, they traveled to this area where they came upon, uh, the, is the area of Shur, they came upon this body of water, and they are thirsty. But it was, it was undrinkable water, and they called this place Mara, Mara meaning bitter, because they were able to drink. Well, in verse 24, we read that the, they grumbled against Moses, like, what shall we drink? They're angry. They're in despair. They need water. They're like, Moses, what are we going to drink? And, and it's more like they're angry and emotional and grumbling about that, right? And so isn't that crazy how easy, is forget, easy it is to forget the power of God when trouble comes upon you? They were giving praise, and it turns right in, into grumbling and protest to Moses. Dunham wrote, the big question is not whether we can sing our triumph at the Red Sea, but whether we can sing in our troubles at Mara. Listen, this was only three days after the Red Sea, you know. It wasn't that long. And now they're like, oh, up in arms. So we, we read, Moses cried to the Lord. The Lord said, hey, take this log or take this, take this piece of wood, throw it into the water. And then the water was made sweet. It was drinkable now. And it, and, and it was healed. And then God then, then, then establishes something here. And he says, look, you guys, if, if you would just listen to my voice, follow me. You know, uh, 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 do what's right in your eyes. Hear what I'm saying. Trust me when I lead you places. Keep my statutes. Keep my commandments. And you know what? All these diseases that the Egyptians got wouldn't be put upon you. It, it won't happen to you because I'm going to take care of you because I am Jehovah Rapha. So this is the context. This is what comes in here. God now establishes his name with Israel I am the Lord your healer. I am Jehovah Rapha. So now Rapha, it means to restore. It means to heal. It means to cure. This word Rapha, the Hebrew word where we see healer here in verse uh, 26, it's used over like 62 times in the Old Testament. And understand that it's not just healing it, it it's it's like a deeper word it includes like physical healing emotional healing even spiritual healing i mean if you look at the story here we we, we see that right here in all that has been transpired transpired so i want to i want to give you three ways the lord is your healer three ways number one he heals physically he heals physically now they were thirsty. They needed water. They're, they needed, they're going to die in, unless they need water, right? And so they need it. And God provides for that. I mean, he provides drinkable water, the sweet 
water. And that's what God is doing here, a physical healing in a sense. I want you to see something else. If you can turn to the right to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 20. I told you we're going to be turning a lot. But I want you to see these things. 2 Kings chapter 20, and perhaps the Lord will speak to you, and, and maybe it's, it's something you'll underline or highlight. But 2 Kings chapter 20, and if you look at verse 5 in 2 Kings chapter 20, Verse 5, it says here, Turn back and say to Hezekiah, and this is uh, God talking to the prophet Isaiah. Verse 5, Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you on the third day you shall go up to the place of the Lord. And so when the Lord in verse 5 says, I will heal you, he's saying, I will rafa you. I will heal you physically. Remember King Hezekiah got sick. He was, he was near death. He cried out to the Lord, didn't want to die. So God healed him and gave him more time in his life. So physically, Jehovah, Yahweh, heals us. Jehovah can offer you physically. You know, over and over we've seen that in our, our prayers. If you're part of the, the, the prayer chain, be part of it because there's miracles happening all the time as we all praying for different people. So many answers to prayer about people getting healed. And you know, when I pray for someone, I always say, as according to your will, I pray. Because God has his will too. God does heal, but sometimes that's not his plan. Or maybe it's a time of testing in a sense. Uh, um, sometimes it's that. We know we've talked about this over and over, that sickness, disease, and uh, it comes from this fallen world, you know, sin. It could come from our own sin. It could come from a satanic attack. We talked about that the other Wednesday night. We, we talked about all this, but God, either way, will heal. And sometimes according to his will, he doesn't, but according to his will, he does. Or sometimes it's a test, and he doesn't heal right away. Or even... I know some of you struggle with, 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 with ailments and stuff every day. Sometimes God will come and be your Rafa to just help you get through the day, yeah? To, to experience His power in you. But know this, that whatever God does, He can heal. And in faith we trust God, whether He does or not, but God can heal. I like something, uh, just a little note, Tim Hansel writes, he said, I have prayed hundreds, if not thousands of times for the Lord to heal me. And he finally healed me of the need to be healed. I like that. Number one, he heals physically. Number two, he heals emotionally. Turn over to Psalm 147. Psalm 147, verse 3. Psalm 147. Now, as you're turning there, if you remember the Israelites, they were grumbling, they were thirsty. They, emotionally, they were a wreck. Yeah? They, were, they, they were angry, but I believe they were in fear also. They were desperate. We're in the wilderness. There's no water. We're going to die. And so emotionally, they were overwhelmed. But God comes in and says, hey, I'm your Jehovah Rapha. Look at Psalm 147, verse 3. It says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He heals, he rafas the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. The same word is there in verse 3. The word broken here means to burst, break into pieces, to be crushed, to be smashed. 
Maybe you feel that today, this morning. Maybe there's things going on and the emotional pain is just overwhelming. Listen, whatever you're carrying right now, whatever you're going through, whatever you're feeling, Jehovah Rapha, he is your healer and he can heal you emotionally. Some of you maybe have some incredible, deep, intense hurt, maybe from what happened from long ago or, or when you were younger or in your past or whatever. And, and it, but it still feels like when you think about it, it comes up, it feels like it was just yesterday. Cry out, as the psalmist does here in verse 3, cry out to Jehovah Rapha and let him put you back together again. And he will because he is your Jehovah Rapha. Turn to the left from Psalms to Second uh, Chronicles 7, chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7. And that brings us to number three, he heals spiritually. As you're turning there, remember number one, he heals physically. Number two, he heals emotionally. And number three, he heals spiritually. Spiritually, Jehovah Rapha. So Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And we know this verse. You probably have it already underlined, highlighted over here. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, If my people are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and Rapha their land. Remember, uh, God is giving this to King Solomon after the dedication of the temple uh, that was built there. Uh, God comes to him and says, hey, you guys, uh, hey, Solomon, hey, if the people of Israel, if they, they sin, if they go away from God and, and the rain doesn't come, the land goes desolate, they go back uh, seeking idols and, and they're in sin. God brings this promise. If my people, you know, if they're who are called by many, if they would just humble themselves, if they turn, if they just repent from their wicked ways, wicked ways, then I will hear their voice. I would hear their prayer and from heaven, and I'll, I will forgive their sin. That's a healing of our soul. That's a healing of our, being healed spiritually, and I will heal their land. So it wasn't just physically, emotionally, but the core of it is that they'll be offered in their soul, and that will affect the land. Do you know, bottom line, that, that, that's the most important thing is the healing of our soul, the rafa of our soul. We are spiritually sick in Jesus. I mean, we are spiritually sick without Jesus, but in Jesus, excuse me, we are made whole by his blood. But without his help, we're terminal, you guys. Our heart, Jeremiah 79, is deceitful, right, and desperately sick. But Jesus can break the bondage to our sinful flesh where we'll no longer be a prisoner of our, our sin. And through Jesus, we're made free and we can be made whole. We can be forgiven. And then God could heal us. But bottom line is that spiritual sickness in us. And once that's healed, that affects our emotional well-being. And it affects us physically in our lives all around. And that's what God is meaning here by Rafa, their land. If you're in that place, go to Jesus right now. He is your Jehovah Rafa. He can heal you on the inside, and that will affect everything else. One pastor tells a story about being in a being in church where he was asked to pray for a man who had cancer, and 
He prayed boldly for the man's healing. Next week, he got a telephone call from the man's wife, and she said, you prayed for my husband. He had cancer. Now, the pastor thought the wife was calling like, oh, maybe it was, he was healed. But then the wife said, he died. The pastor was kind of taken back, but the wife continued and said, don't feel bad. When you saw him, he was filled with anger. He knew he was going to be dead in a short period of time, and he hated God. He was 58 years old. He wanted to see his children and grandchildren grow up. He was angry that this all-powerful God didn't take away sickness and heal him, and he would just lie in bed and just curse God. The more his anger grew towards God, the more miserable he was to everyone around him, and it was awful to be in, in, in my husband's presence. But then the lady told the pastor, after you prayed for him, a peace had come upon him, over him, and a joy came into him. The last three days, pastor, have been the best days of our lives. We, we sang, we laughed, we read scripture, we prayed. They were wonderful days. And I just called to thank you for laying your hands on him and praying for healing. And then she said these amazing words. She told the pastor, he wasn't cured, but he was healed. You understand what we're talking about here and how important that is. All right, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, one last name here today, Jehovah Nisi. Turn over to Exodus 17, Exodus chapter 17, if you're in Exodus 15, just a couple chapters over now. And we're going to be looking at verse 13 through 15 for Jehovah Nisi. Exodus 17, verse 13 through 15. Exodus 17. Your fingers tired, huh? (laughs) This is good Bible, by knowing where things are. So Exodus 17, verse 13. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner. Well, And that is Jehovah Nisi right here. Now, The story here in chapter 17 is that the Amalekites came and attacked the children of Israel. So Joshua was sent out with the people of Israel to fight this battle against Amalekites. Now they they were pretty bad people. They would come and they were coming in and picking off the weak and the, the, the sickly who were like in back of the train as they traveled through the wilderness and they, they, they had a lot of sins, so that's why in verse 14 it's like God's already judging them you know, for, for hundreds of years, and so it's time for them to judge. And finally, when they were attacking Israel straight on, God's like, no, this is it. But understand, this is the first time that the children of Israel mustered up this army. They're like, like farmers, basically, right? They're shepherds and all, but now they've got to fight like an army. So Joshua's leading them. And as Joshua leads them, Moses is up on the hill watching over the battle, interceding in prayer. And we know the story. He holds up the staff, right, of God. And as he holds up the staff, Joshua starts winning, but he got tired, and so his arms would come down. And then the Amalekites were winning. But, but then Aaron and Hur 
um, H-U-R, they came in and went on one side of Moses, went on the other side of Moses and propped up his arms and helped him. And so that's a good picture of intercessory prayer, right? Of how we all need to hold each other up, you know, when one is, 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 you know, is tired. So anyway, Moses holding it up and held it up and Joshua won with, with the help of God. Now, now, the staff represented the power of God. And Moses holding up high the staff represents prayer and reliance upon that power of God. So we see here in this strange way the battle was won, it surely showed clearly that the Lord was victorious, right? It wasn't so much Joshua. This is the first time the Israelites were really fighting. Uh, Moses interceding in the, and with, with the staff representing the power of, of God and their prayer and Moses holding up as the reliance. It showed clearly the victory came from the Lord. So after the victory, a memorial was made and that's what we see in verse 15. Moses built that altar, this memorial, and called it Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Now, this memorial was to declare that the battle was won because it was the Lord who brought the victory. The banner here, my, um, the Lord is my banner, it, it represents, it, like if you put a flag up, right? It represents who you fight for, but it also gives you, uh, it represents who gives you the power and the resources, right? In how you battle. So that's the idea here. So under the colors of the Lord's banner, Moses is saying, you know what? We have the power and resources. We fight for God, but also we hold the flag up because it's God. It's his power, his resources. It's from him. So Jehovah, my banner, Jehovah Nisi. And all that is to say, Jehovah brings victory in your life. So the one thing we see here, and this is our last point, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, is your victory. And that's how I look at this. That's how I pray this. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, is your victory. The Lord is my banner. That's what that means, and this is our last point. I think it was last year um, during the holiday times, as we're coming up, isn't it exciting? Thanksgiving, Christmas, all that coming up. Anyway, uh, during that time, I think it was last year, we started to play this new board game as a family called Catan. You guys know that game, Catan? You guys ever played that? No? Yeah? It, it, it's a strategy game where you use certain resources to build settlements and settlements and cities. And it's really fun. I recommend it. I recommend it. It's a great thing we, what we do with our, our family. And um, now, as a player myself, I'm, I'm okay. I'm pretty good. But I'll tell you, my sons, Jared and uh, Justin, they're, they're like, they're, they're really good. And, and sometimes we'll, we'll play in teams, you know, as, as we play as a family, teams of two. And whoever is usually with one of them, they're going to win. And so I always want to be either yeah, on either one of their teams, right? Because me, I, I always want to win. I don't want to lose, you know. Um, but sometimes, you know, I'm okay with being with my wife. No, but anyway... <laughs> But it's funny, funny, nobody wants to be on my team, though, anyway. But, but you know what? That's that idea, you guys. In our lives, in a similar way, be on God's team. Yeah? With God, you're guaranteed to win. You're, it's guaranteed win, you guys. God is your Jehovah Nisi. 
listen, you will be victorious in the end. There will be victory in your life. There has been, I know, for many of you. As we come to Christ, there's been victory over our sin and our flesh. Our old habits are going away. We're finding victory as we've been freed from the bondage of our sin. Right? Amen? Jesus died and rose again from the dead. So we know Jehovah Nisi in our life. And as we battle, whatever that is, if it's the world, if it's the forces of evil, whatever enemy, you know what? We're going to be victorious. In the end, we're going to be victorious. The thing is, whose flag are you flying today? Whose flag, whose banner is over you? Is it your own? Or is it Jehovah Nisi? Yeah? Is it him? Are you going off of your own resources, your own power, or are you totally relying, holding that staff up, holding that banner up, saying, no, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nisi. What battles are raging around you or in you today? Who, who is or what is your Amalek? We have those, every one of us, being attacked. Know this. Go to Jehovah. Go to Jesus. He will be your victory. Listen to what Paul wrote in Colossians 2.15. He, that's Jesus, disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Jesus triumphed over our enemies there. Jesus is Jehovah Nisi. And know this, because Jesus rose again from the dead, died on a cross and rose again. Jesus conquered. So now, as we fight, it, remember, it's not for victory, but from victory. Remember that. Do you feel defeated, maybe, today? Maybe it's hard for you to see what Jehovah Nisi, I don't know. No, look to him. Maybe, maybe the enemy's just winning right now but it's just for a season you guys and this is the opportunity to hold on in faith and to see that god is the one who makes us more than conquerors romans 8 know that today well we got to close up here i'm going to close with this i came across a poem called the christian's horizon the christian's horizon and let me read this to you what do I see as I look back? Millions of mercies along life's track. God's love shining where all was black. That's what I see looking back. What do I see as I look within? A heart by my Savior redeemed from sin. A hope through his grace, heaven's joys to win. That's what I see looking to him. What do I see looking for today? Blessings granted before I pray. A sheltering arm, a guiding ray. That's what I see looking at today. What do I see as I look on? Burdens lifted and trials gone. A light at every surpassing dawn. That's what I see looking on. What do I see as I look above? God's own banner, whose name is love. Love unspeakable, wonderful love. That's what I see when I look above. So you see, this is our amazing Lord, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi. How wonderful, how incredible, 
how beautiful the Lord is in the first three of the seven names of God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word today, Lord. And as we just close up here and before we move into our time of communion, we ask God that you would remind us of who you are with these three names, God, and that we would not forget who you are, how you work in our lives, and where we can put our faith. And Lord, we know it all started when you died on the cross. And we know we are free and there is victory when you rose again from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen.